بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So before we do anything else uh, as is the beginning of the year and it's something that uh, we should always bless and there's nothing to be blessed better with than the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we'll pass it to Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar who will recite some ayat from Surah Zukhruf insha'Allah A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Al-Akhillahu yawma'idhin ba'duhum liba'din aduun illa al-muttaqeen Ya ibadi la khawfun alaykum al-yawma wala antum tahzanoon Al-lazina amanu bi-ayatina wa kanu muslimin ادخلوا الجنة أنتم وأزواجكم تحبرون يطاف عليهم بسحاف من ذهب وأكواب وفيها ما تشتهيه الأنفس وتلذ الأعين وأنتم فيها خالدون وَتِلْكَ الْجَنَّةُ الَّتِي أُورِثْتُمُوهَا بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ لَكُمْ فِيهَا فَاكِهَةٌ كَثِيرَةٌ مِنْهَا تَأْكُلُونَ So these verses of Surah Zuhraf, they're nice actually, they're, they're, they're um, relevant to some of us who just come back from Hajj. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, friends on that day will be foes one to another except al-muttaqun, the people who have taqwa. And it will be said to them, my worshippers, no fear shall be upon you this day, nor shall you grieve. Because you believed in our verses and were Muslims who submitted entirely. So enter paradise, you and your partners, in happiness. Trays of gold and cups will be passed around them. Therein all that the ones in the selves could desire, all that the eyes could delight in, and you will abide therein forever. This is the paradise which you have been made to inherit because of your deeds, which you used to do in the life of this world. Therein for you will be fruits in plenty of which you will eat. So alhamdulillah, uh, this is uh, the new season. We've made a new policy, by the way. Why are you sitting six, six, six million miles away, man? What's happening here? Yalla, bring this thing forward. Oh my goodness. You guys stay right there. My goodness. MashaAllah. We have, we have special creation. We have normal creation. And then we have yani, unique creations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. Men, women, and then special creations yani, in between. Those people who have klaxons yani, for a voice box. I've never seen women shout that loudly or speak that loudly. Unbelievable. And Sheikh Dr. Farhad had a heart attack, by the way. You know that, yeah? 
And he kept doing this. Yeah, I'm skinny, is it? Bachara, he's doing this. <laughs> he's... And the women are thinking, oh, right, that must mean speak louder. <laughs> Bachara. I said, get up and give him a couple of beats, yeah, what's this business? And there, yeah, broad northern accents, yeah, even painful to our ears, like toxic, yeah, sludge coming out. Then what's going on? It's okay. It's Nina here, that's what I want to know. Yeah, I could say, hey, Nina from the car park, right? Anyway, alhamdulillah, this is uh, obviously the first gathering since uh, the Hajj. Alhamdulillah, we have many of the, the uh, Hajj 2018 uh, folks here. Alhamdulillah. And uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it. Um, it was uh, our review, I would say, it was uh, another very easy, very smooth year. The last two, in fact, the last three have been very, very smooth. Not saying it's got anything to do with the fact that the Shia went around, but the Shia went around, okay? And we've got nothing against the Iranians, but alhamdulillah, they went around. And um, there's, a, there's a blessing when they aren't around, I'm telling you. And when they are around, there's a headache. So alhamdulillah. Um, so yeah, alhamdulillah, the, uh, the Hajj went well. And um, we've got a couple of Umrah programs for the uh, students to keep an eye on. We have one in November. We have one in December. The December one is school holidays. And then we have one in Easter. The one in November is nearly full. Okay. And the one in December is also uh, filling up very quickly. And the one in Easter at the moment is quite, uh, quite easy to get into. Um, all right. So there's a lot of folks who are first time to this lesson, either in person or in uh, online. So we need to give them a little bit of a, a heads up um, on a few things about how this lesson works. And I know that some of the, the original students who obviously have been used to this for years now, they can get slightly irritated by this, but just bear with us just for a few minutes whilst we just give a little bit of a, an intro and a, and a tour of what's going on. So LP, logical progression. It's effectively an open class. It's a class where we study the things that, that we uh, find important on a day-to-day basis. So in principle, uh, fiqh, which is law, is what dominates our day-to-day uh, activities. Obviously, your aqidah is something that you're believing. That's a passive state at all times. But the, the, what to do here, what to do there, what to say here, what to not say, what to, all this kind of the do's and the don'ts, that's an everyday thing. And so that needs to be regulated by knowledge. And that's the, what essentially the class is. Fiqh, the law of uh, Islam, or the jurisprudence of Islam. And obviously, um, we have a great tradition when it comes to Islamic fiqh. And traditionally, the people used to study fiqh by uh, following a certain school of thought. And there are four well-known schools of thought, the Hanafi school, the Maliki school, the Shafi'i school, and the Hanbali school, in that order, uh, historically. And um, uh, the people are divided into two when it comes to the, the, the Muslims of the world. The vast majority that stick to a set school of thought because their level or their ability to be able to understand Sharia and the evidences and the language and the whatever is limited. So they just have to just follow and often blindly. And that's something which is acceptable for people who have that uh, level of ability. And then you have those that have the ability to be able to take that more uh, uh, intellectual kind of emotionally invested interest in their deen. And then they start to understand the evidences and the rulings and whatever. And that's what this class is. So we use the Hanbali school as a template. But in actual fact, we're not restricting ourselves to the Hanbali school in ruling. We will go with whatever we think our teachers believe. We will look at the evidences. We're not under any pressure. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not forced us to follow one particular opinion. We just have to maintain a structure. We just got to make sure that 
you know, we just don't go following yani, opinions that appear in the wind and just, you know, float from one side to the other side. We've got to have some structure and stability. This is a class that gives that, and we do it in order, and that's where the name comes from, from logical progression. So we're going to get to the end in one generation. I don't know yani, what year, but we'll get there, inshallah. But we're just going to take it slow and easy. We sit down for about an hour, an hour-ish, maybe an hour, 10, hour, 15. And um, at the moment, this class, obviously, it's going out live at 8.20. 8.20 is actually its set time, right? But obviously, that's normally because the class is happening over the winter and then the spring mm-hmm. in the UK, which is after Isha. At the moment, it's just in between Maghrib and Isha. So what will actually happen at the end of the class, for those who don't know, is that we will then also, once the, the class is, when I say the class is finished, it's finished, then you can sign off. But we also include Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar, of course, uh, reciting Salat al-Isha, uh, and only because Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is definitely from the premier Qurra, or reciters of the Qur'an, and it's very nice. It's a, it's a, people who come to Chudu Masjid, they do come to be led by the Sheikh. And those who are not fortunate enough to be living in Man- Manchester, South Manchester, then we like to be able to share that salah with them and they can just watch it, not follow it. Yani, don't yani, you know, start getting led by it. Although, to be honest, it's, that's not far away. Okay, that's not far away. Someone's going to try and justify that because they've already justified that in the haram. Yani, you know, you see people who are in the, these, ho- these hotels and they just go down one, one level down and they say, yeah, we're close enough. Yani, that's, that's you know, that's, I'm sure there's 100,000 reward in there somewhere. No, the nonsense that is, okay? That's not a jama'ah. It's not a valid prayer. You need to be praying behind that person. It, at best, it's an individual prayer that you prayed in some kind of way. And it's not 100,000 either because the 100,000 is restricted to the masjid. And you are not part of the masjid when you're looking down from a hotel in its musalla. In its musalla. So, uh, uh, you know, just keep be aware of that. That when we do that at the end, you can enjoy that or you can sign off. Um, and that will happen for the next few lessons. We also have a, a list which is important, which is going around. It's very important that you put your names down on this list. This is a Cheeto list, okay, which um, has uh, emails which are separate to the normal mailing list. Everyone should be on the mailing list because you get all the notes and all the details and everything. But this Cheeto list is important for the people here, not just those who live in Cheeto, but those who are likely to attend a circle or not. Because if I'm not in town and I am then doing the circle from somewhere else, which I will try to do live as well still, then that list will say to you, listen, we're not, there's not a local class. But at 8.20 p.m., the class will still go out live, whether it's from another masjid or another place that I'm at or whatever. And next week, for example, I will be broadcasting from Copenhagen, inshallah. So that will be with the brothers and sisters there. And uh, uh, obviously, locally, there won't be a lesson here but um, still be live, still interactive, whatever. Now, when it comes to interactive, obviously you folks are here in front of me. You can ask any questions you wish um, in any, uh, at any moment, at any time. And a lot of people keep talking about we can't hear them, we can't hear them. Remind me to repeat the question, okay? Because I forget that. I'm more than willing to do that, but I keep forgetting. So just tell me to repeat what people say in their comments and whatever. And um, when it comes to... Uh, interaction online then obviously you have the comment section which you can uh, interact with now the big thing obviously the people who have just joined just now won't know about this but everyone who's been here for the last few years will know that our portal is like you know it's an amazing piece of technology but this year we upgraded it we upgraded it for a number of advantages and we're having some issues right now right at this moment in time 
we just found that the comments have been restricted in terms of number. It's also not showing the identity of the people who are commenting. So when you do comment, just put your name at the bottom, please. And be aware that the comments in number are restricted. We also, at the moment, cannot show the class notes. So I want you to know that, uh, if, you don't, if you don't already know, then we have a huge resources section that has a load of... Uh, resources to do with transcribed notes. That's literally the entire lecture transcribed. And then the text that we're studying, so the English text itself that we then break down and then we add to. Then the entire Arabic commentary, which is this long uh, book version here. And, 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 and. And we have summary versions as well. We do tabulated summaries, which I want to have a quick look at at the beginning of this class so that we can sum up all of last year's content in a few minutes. Um, and so on. And at the moment, to display that at the, on the screen, there's some kind of problem. The, the old students will be wondering, why is it that they can't see the functionality? There's also a section to write your own notes as well. Uh, what's back and what's not? So two specific issues that we are working around, which YouTube have implemented a new policy starting this month. Mm -hmm. is one is that when a video does play, it plays on mute. And two, they've disabled the auto function, auto play of videos. That's created a problem for us now, and a lot of difficulties we've had, and that's why we've been delayed with this, is to try and create a workaround, because people are saying it was on mute, I can't hear it, and... And how do they take it off mute? Just literally take it off, yeah, mute. It off mute. But before it was, you just before it would just start. Transition. Yes. Transitions have all gone upside down, because two policies came in this month. Right. So that's to do with the video. What about the comments? Comments. Then Still restricted? Yeah. Notes not being shown still. Notes are posted the link. They should be able to right. Okay. So if you so the workaround at the moment for this week's lesson is that in the top comment section you will see a link to the notes. Okay. You will see a link for everyone here. You will see it on the on the on the screen in a minute. But in terms of the actual notes itself, you've got a, a PDF link to it, and also. Um, there's a PDF link that shows the summaries, but you can find that in the resources section later on anyway. So just bear with this new forum for the next one week or two weeks. The big difference is that it's now fully mobile, meaning that on your mobile you can have a proper experience like you used to have on a uh, computer and the like. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's that. Okay, I want to do a quick um, uh, also introduction to the different people who play different roles. Okay, we haven't done that for one or two years. And because we've had a lot of new people. And the reason for the, the new people is obviously uh, people are always coming back in again. But also because we're launching a new class as well. So just in case I forget to tell you at the end. We're going to be having a... So this is the regular Wednesday slot. But now we're going to have a regular Tuesday slot as well. Inshallah, same kind of 8 o'clock-ish time. There are different times. You'll see the times on the, on the portal. But you would have seen Quranic progression. If you're online, then you would have seen the second option to choose. It's the same login. Everything's used. Quranic progression. So the idea there is a detailed tafsir, okay, which needed to be done in an orthodox fashion. See, the truth is, the truth is, is that uh, people have been, you know, I don't want to say intentionally playing around with the Quran, but it has been a toy of people because there's nothing that elicits and incites the emotions of people like the Qur'an does. I mean, you don't even need to know what it means, and the Arabic yani blows people's minds. Let alone then trying to offer a meaning to a person, let alone manipulating that meaning to be more kind of, uh, I don't know, more accepting or more, I don't know, more fun, more relevant, whereas it might lose its orthodox roots. So it might not actually be the correct meaning, but because it sounds nice, it feels nice, that's the, that's, the, that's the kind of idea that a person might say that this actually is not referring to a man, but referring to this. And it's, you know, 
kind of esoteric meanings being applied, the metaphysical being brought in, statistics being brought in where it makes no sense. So for example, the Quran, if you look at the study of the day and the night, then the, the, the day is 24 times and the night is 24 times. And you know, if you look at how many times the earth has been mentioned in the Quran and how much times water has been mentioned in the Quran, then you can see that it's 78% water to, you know, all this kind of nonsense, right? So people, and obviously when you hear that, you're like, right, you know, you heard that, but share, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up, whatever. And obviously, as most of it is a load of nonsense. But the point is, is that um, that has become very popular in the last couple of years. Different yani, uh, speakers have been using the Quran to put forward their own theories. And, the, the, you know, I, I, I want to say to you that uh, a lot of people don't actually know this. Tafsir is the final science in ulum al-sharia. It's the final frontier. Meaning that it was never understood that a person could speak about the Quran until they had completely clocked every other science. I mean, it just makes sense, actually. So first of all, you've got to obviously understand Arabic to the absolute max. But then after you've understood Arabic, you need to actually have an understanding of a sul din meaning the principles of the religion in that. Where do you actually start taking knowledge from? So now I have Arabic, okay. But where do I go to? Do I go to yani, a book written by a liberal feminist in the 21st century that's talking about a surah? Or do I have a process, a methodology that I break down and I follow when it comes to actually making my own understandings of various verses or whatever? And then how do I grade those sources? So if I've worked out what the sources are and I understand usul, principles, then how do I grade those sources as well? What's authentic? What's, what's acceptable? What's not acceptable? What's to be rejected? Does the Quran have maybe slightly different uh, levels of authenticity that can be applied because maybe it's not so serious as aqidah? And these are big, big calls. And then you start to then determine then the statements of the Prophet ﷺ and what applies to the verses, then the statements of the companions and how applicable they are. And then what about my voice? How important is my voice? Do I have a voice? Do I have the right to be able to think for myself? Etc. Etc. The difference between tafsir, which is exegesis, and tadabbur, which is personal reflective contemplation, your personal meaning that you come up with when you hear, or not personal meaning, but your personal reflection that you think of when you hear a verse, because of a memory or because of a feeling or because of an emotion that elicits, these are two entirely separate different things. And so why is it important to understand all of that? These are the base forms of knowledge that you must have clocked, understand the individuals and who they are. So you need to understand biographies, what's known as seer, okay, or ilm rijal So you've got the study of hadith that needs to be done, you've got to understand biographies before, you've got to have clocked balagha and nahu and grammar and rhetoric and whatever. And then you enter into giving... Quranic explanation. Now, today, it's the other way around. As soon as a person yani, can read a bit of the Quran, or maybe some of you people don't even know even how to read the Quran, but have some study of some Arabic, they offer explanations of the Quran. And if this person is not very firmly grounded, what happens is that their, their day-to-day struggles with their identity and their day-to-day discoveries and development in their own religion and in their own aqidah it starts to come forth in their explanations of the Qur'an. And so what you end up with is wishy-washy translations, interpretations, and theories in the Qur'an itself. That's why uh, a lot of the time, you know, what happens is that we kind of dismiss boring old kind of you know, people when it comes to knowledge. But one day you will realize that all of the blessing and safety is with the old and boring and whatever. <laughs> Feeling a bit eager there, Shaz, wasn't you? Huh? You feeling not enough love, huh? It's okay, Shaz. We can see. we can give you some love if you want. If you're missing yourself, huh? Take take a picture of your phone like that, Shaz. Put it on like that. Just look at it. <laughs> How random is that for someone to put his own picture on the screen? Are you jealous, bro? That mine's there con- continuously, huh? Are you are you competing with me, brother? 
So, um, so the good thing about Quranic progression is that we wanted to make sure that number one, we're not going to give this to a child. We're not giving it to someone who's not qualified. We're not giving it to someone who's not studied all the sciences. And so that's why we chose Sheikh Ahsan. He was very, very uh, Ahsan Hani from Birmingham, a Qari that was well known, a Maghrib instructor who is well known. He's head of the Quranic Sciences Department in Al Maghrib. And I'm very comfortable with his interpretation of the Qur'an. People have taken his Surah Al-Kaf class, know what we're talking about. People who have studied with him in Ilm Na'in, Ilm Summit, when he did Surah Fussilat, when he did Surah... Um, what did he do in last Ilm Summit? Um, huh? Hujrat, was it? Maybe. Maybe it was Hujrat, yeah. It is very good. Just very good and, you know, no nonsense, straight to the point and gives you the truth and, you know, that's what it should be. So, from Surah Al-Nas all the way into Al-Baqarah, it's a long journey. And the great thing, huh? Sa'ad. Sa'ad, you mean? Yeah, Sa'ad, yeah, okay. So, um, the um, notes, of course, he's also, the difference with him is that he is going to be, you know, with, when it comes to my class, I only have the class text and then what I've said and taught comes like a week or two weeks after because it needs to be transcribed by the team. And whereas his, he's actually preparing his teaching notes in advance. So he's going to be writing his tafsir as a book. But what he'll be doing is that he'll be putting up the lesson in advance and then be explaining it as well. So I mean, he's, he's well up for it and he knows what we expect from the LP brand, LP and QP. The main thing is loyalty. The main thing is that whatever happens, come what may, the lesson goes out on Tuesday, whether you're dying or whether you're dead. Okay? It goes out. It doesn't matter if you're on one megabyte or no megabytes. Yes? It doesn't matter if your internet goes, the recorded version still comes out. Whatever happens, I told him that I don't care. You have to get the lesson out. Like Muggins here does. Okay? So, that's that. Uh, next thing is I want to make it very, very clear. I told you guys before, we cannot be having chocolate in this class, okay? We've been the laughing stock not of just the Islamic world, we're the laughing stock of the internet, laughing stock of Facebook. That fish there, Yani, doing our bestie, whatever. You can keep rattling that stuff, Yani, okay? You can keep rattling, but the truth is, and all this stuff here, I mean, I'm only gonna have this because it's here, all right? Okay, right? Because my, I told you, I'm strong. I'm not affected by this. Shazad, Yani, weak, okay? Shazad's weak. And the girls obviously, you know, you know what girls are like. Listen, listen. There's no need for that, is there? Okay. Yeah, you know, two can play that game, isn't it, bro? I just want to say, by the way, that this is something that I've never heard of, Cadbury's Roundies, yeah? And uh, I just want to let you know that, yeah, I might just need to just do a little bit of them on this one, okay? So, but, oh, you sick guy. Oof. Oof. These went down a hit last time. I just want to say that we've changed the, the rulings of things. Oh, you sick guy. Yes, bro. Pass that one. But by the way, don't yes, bro me. Okay. This is, this is, this is obviously, as you guys know, the golden rule. This can't be shared because it makes them a big mess. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my good. This is pure haram, by the way. This is absolutely unacceptable. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? God, Nina, you have a klaxon, I swear. Goodness me. We need to. Can someone turn the volume down? Goodness me. What's a Novich? What is Novichok? Oh, sugar. Is that Russian poison? Yeah? 
Oh, it's like a play on the with the word, or is it really? Or are you just messing about? Look at that. I can't share that. You gotta admit. I mean, you know, I can share the the cola bottles, but I can't share that. I'm sure you understand that, isn't it? Yeah. No hate. By the way, I'm telling you, I'm serious. This, it's a ban. I'm not even joking. Okay. Just because I'm laughing and smiling means nothing. Okay. Because obviously I'm inside. I'm gonna laugh and joke. But this is ridiculous. We're going to put on like 10 kilos yani, in one year. All right? We've got to look after our figures. We're already, as I said, laugh embarrassment. Yani, they, they say, <laughs> humbly fig. <laughs> and what we're doing is eating chocolate and cake and, and sweets and biscuits and lin and timbits. Although I don't mind the timbits. Yani, you know, timbits is okay. So if you're on good behavior today as an as a exception, I will share some. Okay? But don't be bringing any more. And don't be expecting any to come. And if you come, I don't want people to be moaning and upset because they walk in, they're looking for boxes of chocolate and they don't find anything. And they think, oh, we only came for the chocolate. Yeah, I know you came for the chocolate. Yeah, Nina, I know that I only came for the chocolate. Don't worry. I'll give you more chocolate today than you've ever had in your life. Okay? Then just, all right. Anyway, we're running out of time because we've got to actually teach something today. But before we go, I want to show you the important people, especially for online. Okay? If they don't know the people that matter. So um, these are the folks who are involved in the system with the LP. It's very important. So this is Shazad. Okay, bring up the picture. There we go. This is Shazad Salim. All right. This is an accurate picture. This is actually what he looks like right now. Okay, if you've never seen him, and he does consider himself to be a bit of a player with the old uh, with the old cooking and stuff, and that's why he went and bought a Master Chef a uh, thingy magic. So there's nothing like self-praise there. All right, well done. So that's him. He's the Amir of PG. He's the one who runs everything. He's the miskin in the corner who yani, has messed up absolutely everything. Yani, subhanAllah. Yani, you can't imagine. that For a launch lesson, you'd think at least the portal would work, isn't it? Yeah? You'd have thought at least the notes would be there, isn't it? You'd think at least you can comment. So, well done, Shazad Salim. The next person, this is, in, this is in order of importance. Okay? Yeah? So the next person is Widad. Okay? Now, Widad... We think she's very important, okay? This is Widad who spent, I think, about half an hour taking this picture, okay? Pure fake, all right? She wants to try and make it like a stylish, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm so, I get such a headache dealing with LP, all right? Okay? This kind of, you know, fake modesty. And what she did, she set up her camera on a tripod, put it on 10 seconds. She took about 30 different pictures, you know, trying to get her rubbing her temples, you know, trying to show the pain, okay? There's no pain whatsoever, I like the, this the way that the paracetamol has been placed. Two packets. Who would use two packets of paracetamol? You're so fake, it's unbelievable. Okay? Fake news, fake whatever. Right. But that's with that. She runs the entire academic side and the transcribing side and uh, all the other kind of stuff that we have no idea about. And uh, Mesa didn't, uh, didn't re- represent, yeah? So Mesa, she hasn't, she hasn't got our message, but she runs the transcribing, the actual notes itself. Okay? But we don't have a picture of Mesa. Uh, she's all the way over there in uh, in Edmonton, in uh, in uh, Canada. This young, yani, handsome lad here is Nadif. He kind of, yani, fits in. Nikka, isn't it? Yeah. He fits in whenever he feels like it. All right. He, uh, to be honest, yani, he needs to step up this year. He needs to step up this year. He basically st- st- sits right in front of me, just looking me straight in the eye. For what reason? I have no idea. Okay, but he's obviously one of the important PG guys, so that's fine. Huh? Next one, uh, Shazad Salim. Uh. Oh yes, this is Dr. Zafar, and as you all know, uh, Zafar does the summaries and he does the revision sessions, 
and uh, is a very important Yani student teacher. That's very good. Next one should be Idris. Come on, Lala, hurry up, man. Once you're taking half the... There we go. That's the, the famous in the club, in the bar picture of, uh, of Idris. <laughs> Although he said that it was done in Qatar or something, yani in July or whatever, I don't know. But it looks like one of those holiday pictures in a bar, doesn't it? It does, isn't it? Yeah? Not that I would know. If you're going to go and take a picture in a bar, this is how you take a picture. Please, Bobby J. Oh, yes. Have a look at that, Yara. This is the way. Yes, bro. <laughs> yes, Bobby J. Okay, so Bobby J effectively is the sponsor of this class, okay, except that he hasn't brought tot to this class. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I never saw a person who freeloaded more of this class than Bobby J. His yani, dessert place, his, his kebabs, his yani, lamb chops, all the benefit he took all into his pocket, what did we get? What did we get? All he got was free publicity. Was that it? Free publicity. And other than that, you know what he, you know what he said today? He goes, uh, what time shall I come? No, no, that wasn't him. Oh, Zafar. Zafar, I'm sorry, I don't know about Nam, Bob Zafar goes to Shazad. So, what time shall I come down? You know, because this takes time, by the way. It's no joke. Yeah, I know you just all plant yourselves down. Okay? But it takes time to put all this Yanni stuff up. So, he goes, uh, this takes half an hour. So, Zafar goes, what time do you want me to come in, Shaz? Shall I come in at 7.45? 7.45. Salah is three minutes later. 7.45. Oh, yeah, and who thinks like that? That's lazy Zafar. Bob's comes in earlier. Give him that. Right. This guy, this guy, okay, is Abu Dhar. He's the guy who basically carries the, the debit card, right? So he pays for everything. That's it, okay? Otherwise, yani, for us to find him yani, at this dars is a miracle. Yani, normally he doesn't come. Normally he doesn't. When we ask him, yani, do you know that there's a lesson on? He says no. He doesn't know nothing. Yani. But obviously because he has the money, we have to obviously show him love and respect. But honestly, he deserves to be last in this list. 100%. And I've been very, very generous to him because the picture that I was meant to use, okay, of my guy, I decided not to because he said, we don't know, we don't, we don't, we, we, we like him, we don't want him to go Guantanamo Bay. But can you believe, Yanni, when we said, when we said, Yanni, please give us a picture to use, he sent one with a gun. <laughs> with a gun. Just, we should have just punished him by just putting it. That's it, just stand like that and just, all right, are we done with all people now? That's it. Yeah, everyone? All right, can we start the lesson, yeah? All right, I'll take it then. Bismillah. So, are we back on thingy? <laughs> this, don't, don't you dare put anything else on screen. Put my camera on screen right now. Put my... Alright, okay. So I just want, you know, this is very important because obviously first time students don't know about this, okay? But this is what I keep in my, on my desk, okay? I don't need a picture of my daughter on my desk, okay? I have Shazad Salim. M D B D S B S C, uh, what is it? M B E E B M, yeah, a, a medal of the British Empire. Yeah, listen, he's no ordinary guy. He's been to the Queen. The Queen's given him yani B M E or whatever because it was. Yeah, I just. But what I, what I really want you to focus on is those cheeks. Have a look at those cheeks. <laughs> See, this is the problem. This is the problem here. That's not right, isn't it? There's so much disrespect going on. Honestly, you know what I mean? I, I mean, look at this, showing his medal. I just want to say, this is my favorite part of my desk. Every time I'm sad, I look down at it. I think, Masaf Subhanallah, that's my Shazad. That's my Shazad. Okay? He's got the medal. Everyone else doesn't. Yeah? He's the order of the British Empire. 
den- he, uh, for services to dentistry. For services to dentistry. Obviously, that year was a rough year for services to dentistry. <laughs> yeah, I think they just thought, right, we've chosen enough God, let's find one pack of yeni to give it to. So they found Shazad Salim. Okay, can we be serious now for a second, yeah? All right, let's start. Okay, where are we starting? With that? Was I meant to prepare for this lesson or not? You never told me even where we, where, where we, where we even got to. I think page 35. Okay, page 35. You are absolutely right. Well done with that. Okay. All right. Um, you know what I think we'll do first? But you guys haven't seen the, 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 the tabulated summary. You know what, Shaz? Put the summary thing on, uh, on the screen. Yeah, because the summary document, um, what we do at the end of each year is that we produce a summary of the actual te- uh, uh, content of the year. Right? So, last year's content, um, we can, like, w- wash right through that. <coughs> Have you got it, Shaz? Because I've got it right here. This is the, P- the PDF that I sent uh, earlier on. And you'll find this, by the way. These are on the resources part, and it's uh, under tabulated summary or something? Yeah. Yeah? has its own little section at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. This is the one. Everybody can see that on the screen as well, yeah? <coughs> and at home, they're, they're looking at it as well? Now, yeah. yeah, so this, this here, actually, the last six years, um, it basically summarized the main kind of positions, right? Um, and uh, if you go next week or even this week, if you look around, we already did a lesson. I posted it in the thing. You posted it, yeah? That does the first five years, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I did a session the first lesson last year summarized all five years and I went through it so that's already done I'm not going to do that I'm just going to use five minutes to summarize last year that means you're up to date so if you watch that lesson in the link then you've got five years and you've got this one which was the sixth year and then now we start the seventh year or if you don't want to watch any of the videos you just read through this this will take you 20 minutes okay so go down to page uh, 18 I think Shaz yeah 18 so 18 this is what we did basically in the last uh, cu- a couple of years. Um, and I will just take it up from avoiding filth, right? That if one carries filth, which is of a significant nature, or allows his body or garment to come in contact with, th- his, with filth, his prayer is invalid. Filth is najasa, that which is ritually impure, not that which is dirty. The big thing that you learn, yani, when you study fiqh, is there's a big difference between dirt and filth. Dirt is something that is a cultural understanding, you know, dirt, brown, mud, yani, being r- dragged outside which means nothing. And that's something very important for sisters because, you know, they look at their abayas and their jilbabs and what they kind of gather at the bottom and they think that this is najas. It's not, actually. Nothing that becomes dirty per se is, not, is najasa. Najasa is feces and urine, etc., etc. So if the floor is filthy but covered with layers of earth or something pure is placed over it, the prayer is valid. So what you learn there, that what is really important when it comes to filth is it touching you. If you've got a barrier in between it, all right, then it's not then going to affect you. If there is some filth connected to the edge of the prayer area, the prayer is valid as long as one does not touch it. So even if it's that close, as long as you don't touch it, you're going to be okay. As long as you've got enough space for yourself to be able to pray, you're going to be okay. If you do find some filth upon yourself uh, after the prayer, but you weren't sure that it was there, or he knew it was there and then later forgot or didn't understand it, the prayer is not repeated. Because Allah subhanahu does not hold you accountable for something you didn't know. All right? um, and if one fixes a broken bone with something filthy, it does not need to be removed if it will cause injury. So this is introducing people to the idea of, um, of, of uh, um, 
uh, extenuating circumstances. If there's a really extreme scenario, a really difficult situation, then there's always a way out. There's always a solution, okay? And this is one of them. But, you know, uh, uh, you might be thinking, how is that possible? But it is possible. Even back then, they might be using something. Today, you might, I don't know, use pig skin. You might use the pig bone or something. Whatever it is that you're using as a, as a replacement bone, immediate injury that you had. If, you know, you don't need to snap it out kind of thing because it's filthy, etc., etc. Although, I was reading today that they did the DNA testing on the, on the meat in this country. And 20% of the meat in this country has unknown DNA. Or DNA which is not the animal that you're looking at. Imagine that, subhanAllah. And the, the largest proportion was cow and the second was pork. So that is ew to the max. I don't know what's happening about that. I don't... Uh, when you think about that, and you think... And subhanAllah, what's amazing is that even the Jews, even the Jews have been caught out with it. Because the mm-hmm. kosher guy was on and he was like, you know, we've got our robust systems and all the rest of it, but you know, this is, this is fraud which is causing us. We try our best. But I mean, we normally put those boys right at the top, but in actual fact, everyone's yani, at threat at that one. So what can you do? What can you do? Um, if anything were to fall off from him, such as a limb or a tooth, know that it remains pure. This is talking about the idea. By the way, if you're studying fiqh for the first time, it looks really crazy and random. Like, why would that suddenly be speaking about, you know, we're speaking about filth. Why are we talking about things that fall off? And that is because um, uh, fiqh does not follow rationale per se. Fiqh uh, follows that which is real issues in real life. And often written in a classical kind of context, 1400 years ago, things would happen that would affect people. And we know that there are certain things that have a ruling when they are part of a person and when they're not part of a person or part of an animal, or not part of an animal. So that's just the end talking about that, okay? Again, of course, all the detail is in the lessons, all right? We have the detailed notes. I'm just kind of really coming, going over it very quickly. So there are three key areas where the prayer is invalid, okay? It shouldn't be prayed in. So invalid is not meaning haram. It means the prayer needs to be repeated, okay? So haram means the prayer is sinful. But invalid means that it actually needs to be repeated again. It was not even offered to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's in a toilet, in a hammam, and in a camel pen. And that's the only something which um, is differed on b- b- between the scholars, but it is the safer, safest position. A hammam is referring to old school kind of baths where people are very naked. Okay, so it's like, uh, uh, like what we understand a Turkish hammam to be, that kind of thing. It's not the right place. It's not the right gravitas or decorum for the place of prayer. And the camel pen returns back to hadith. Um, graveyard, we said the prayer there is something which is valid, but it is disliked. The word makru, okay? The prayer is valid if prayed towards all of the above, towards all of the above. However, there needs to be a significant gap, a gap that people would basically... When we see the word significant, it's often that the sharia or the Prophet ﷺ never specified distance or amount. So when you see the word significant, it means culturally people understood that to be separate. So if someone was to come, if there was a, you know, a poll of 20 people, the majority would say, I think that's separate. You know, if one person or two people say, I think that's a bit close, then we disregard that. We say that the majority see it as separate or significant or big or small or large or shocking or not or whatever. The ruling of the community is what's taken in these issues, okay? So this is one of those. So as long as there is a significant gap and you feel that there's a degree of separation, so even if you're right close up to a a graveyard, but there's a wall that feels like, you know, that's there and that's here, and I'm here, then it's permissible to pray where you are. The obligatory prayer is valid inside or on top of the Kaaba. There are some scholars that said it wasn't. And 
uh, supererogatory prayers are valid if facing one of its supports. That's talking about inside. With respect to facing the Qibla, this is all to do with the conditions of the prayer. These are referring to shurut, okay? Those things which must be in place before you actually pray, all right? Before you actually pray, these are things which have to have been ticked off and be uh, uh, done for the prayer to be even entered upon. So the prayer is not valid without facing the Qibla, okay? You have to face the Qibla. But the, exemption, the exemptions are, one, someone who's physically unable to, all right? Maybe they are paralyzed, maybe they are imprisoned, maybe they are whatever, so they physically can't do it. And number two, if a person is praying a sunnah prayer or a nafil prayer, an English word for that is supererogatory. Supererogatory is actual definition, is the perfect sunnah definition, meaning a non-obligatory act which you are rewarded for doing. That's what the word supererogatory is. We normally, in, in conversation, we use the word what? We use voluntary. And voluntary is, of course, not correct at all. Voluntary just means you do something voluntarily. It doesn't have a legal connotation. The word supererogatory means that you do something out of your own choice, but you get rewarded for it as well. But if you don't do it, you're not punished. It's not sinful. So that's what sunnah uh, or nafil means. So whilst you are in a state of travel, that was a nice yani, lesson that indicated that there's a difference between uh, being a traveler, as in I'm a traveler, and traveling. Okay? So whilst the person is traveling, right, in the actual act of travel, then this person has that concession. All right? um, however, however, even that person who is in, on that, in that car or in that uh, 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 plane or whatever it is, they should try to make a good attempt at facing the Qibla before they start. The idea being that you're in control at the beginning, so start fight, face that way. And then throughout the journey, when it starts to go this way and that way, then you've got no control over that. But at least at the beginning, you started off with the right direction. That's something that we should try to do at all times, with all levels of the prayer. <laughs> it is obligatory for the one close to the Qibla to face it exactly. So if you are close, meaning you can see it, or it's very, very close, meaning you know 100% is behind this wall because you're at the haram, then you have to face it directly. However... It is sufficient to face its general direction for the one who is far away. And far away is not something which the scholars have gone into saying uh, con- countries and continents. But far away does actually still mean within Mecca. So even within Mecca, you are far away. Because close means yani, the fact that you can see it. And if you can see it, then you should be praying to it directly. But as obviously the folks here were, were just obviously there, you know very well that you can be just in the, the, the Sa'i area, or you could be in the other side of the masjid, and you're literally 100 meters from the Kaaba, and you're not facing the Kaaba at all. You'll be praying in this direction, okay? Like a long line. Imagine a long line of people. If the curve doesn't start at the right time, and you go a little bit longer, then you are actually, if you were to take a line, you're missing the Kaaba entirely. You know what I'm saying? These people, their prayer is valid, because they are that distance away that's, that's far enough away to not have to actually hit the Kaaba uh, dead on. So the people who have to hit the Kaaba dead on are the people who are around it. So on the Mataf area, the ground floor area, these people are expected because they're all turning around in a circle, whatever, and they can see it physically in front of them. There's no excuse. But the excuse would apply to, for example, when we're in floor one or floor two or we're in the Sa'i area and they've done the new you know, uh, extension parts or whatever and you can't physically see. These are the areas where a little bit being off or missing it, even yani, even though you're facing the direction, missing it is, is acceptable. And that teaches us that here, two, three thousand miles away, it is sufficient for us to be in the rough direction. 
the rough direction and we have degrees of, of laxity. So that shows that we don't need to be so you know, hardcore, you know, my, my compass, one is showing this and the other one is showing that, but it's roughly in this direction. That's okay as long as it's not in the exact opposite direction. Yep, so as long as we're roughly in that direction, you are never at that distance going to hit the Kaaba anyway. Yeah, because we're saying that even if you are 100 meters away from the Kaaba, you're not going to be able to hit it just by being extended part of a line too long. So what about a person who's here? So the general direction is what's understood. All right, um, it's, if he's informed by a reliable person of the direction of the Qibla, even without certainty, or he sees the mihrab of the Muslims and he can follow either. That's basically a point referring to responsibility. What is your personal responsibility? That you've got to try your best. And trying your best does include trusting people. And you don't need to do give them you know the full you know the full five o yani once over and find out their aqidah and their Islam and their knowledge and their whatever. If a person you know knows that prays or lives in the area, or you see a mihrab and a mihrab is referring to that there, okay, which is in the time that this text was written, where where is the mihrab? When this text was written, where is the mihrab? Uh, if you think about it, you will understand the question. In the mosque. <laughs> In the mosque. <laughs> it's on the outside of the mosque. We went through this, okay? Mihrab to us is always an internal structure made out of wood or stone, whatever, because it's an ornament decorative function, because <laughs> people know the direction. Whereas a mihrab back in the day... And you'll still see it in a number of mosques, especially in the Bind, especially in simple areas, Muslim areas. You'll see a mosque which is four walls and the mihrab is actually out. What's the word? Protruding. It's protruding out of the actual end wall. Yeah, I mean, you see, buildings like this are appropriated into a mosque. But a purpose-built mosque, you're going to be not having rooms after the, the, um, the imam. The imam's point is going to be, it's only yani, 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 trialed every day by having a wudu area mission, everyone have to go that way. But normally, what would happen? The imam would be at the front, no one goes any further. So if no one goes any further, then you build obviously there, then the mihrab itself, their imam's going to stand in it, and it's going to protrude. You're not going to add a whole extra level of line just because of the imam. So you'd only protrude the mihrab out. So when a person wants to know the direction, they'll be going around the, the, the side of the wall and then they'll see that the mihrab is pointing that way from the outside and they know that this is the direction. And because it's a masjid and the people pray in it, you don't need to go inside find out which cult it is, which sect it is, yani, did they get it right, did they get it wrong. It's a mosque, people pray. That's enough for us to make that uh, judgment call. All right. Um, if one is traveling or a resident, he can use a celestial pole uh, or the sun or the moon and their cycles, meaning that once you study and understand yani, the way that the positioning of these stars and, and um, uh, what's it called, these uh, gatherings? Constellations in the sky and where they take that, that position and give you north and show you true north, then, then once you know north, then you should be able to work out where the Kaaba is according to where you are on earth. So we know that it's southeast according to us. So as long as we know where north is, then we know southeast is going to be down there. So everything and anything can be used, traveling or resident, to be able to do that. And if there are two people who don't know the direction, then they are allowed to then follow one another. They are allowed to actually ask other people. All right? Um, whoever prays without making effort or without following someone else's ishtihad must repeat the prayer if he is able to find someone to follow. 
if they got the direction correct, the prayer is not repeated. So that's referring to someone who's just being so lackadaisical about the whole thing. I don't need to care about this. And, you know, then he gets it wrong. This person is yani, blameworthy in the eyes of the Sharia, and he has to then repeat that prayer. But of course, if he got it right, he blagged it. All right, afterwards he checks and he got it right. He didn't, and someone said to him, listen, you prayed, but did you know that you're meant to find the direction? And mm-hmm. he said, yeah, well, I kind of guessed it. You know, I, did, I, you know, I was going to guess it anyway. And then someone says, well, it's this way. He goes, that's the way I prayed. Then he's lucky, but he's not allowed to do that again. You can't leave a condition of the prayer just a chance. Okay? The one who is aware of the indicators of the Qibla must make efforts to discern it uh, at, once, at least once. He only repeats his effort if there is a reason to do so. Okay? So they've got to make that effort once, and then after that you can just chill. But you only need to then do that whole process again uh, if there's a real reason. And what's the point of this, by the way? What, what do you think the value of this statement is? From a general point of view. The, the value of this is to get rid of the concept of waswasa in the religion. It's a very important point in fiqh. It's the responsibility of responsible scholars, okay, good scholars, to be able to make sure that people are not in this constant doubt about the acts of worship. So, you know, most of you are probably, you know, most of you will be able to relate to or at least know someone who has suffered from major OCD waswasa when it comes to the prayer. I haven't watched it enough. I need to go back. Did I do that? No, no. And then when they're standing for prayer, they can't get into the zone. They can start, you know, you've all seen people who start the prayer, then they immediately break it again. Then they're, okay, I need to start again. I wasn't good enough, whatever. And, 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 and. And you know what? Um, it's the job, as I said, the role of senior scholars to slap that theory right dead and say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told you to do this and you do that and don't you worry about anything else. Don't yani, let it keep getting to you and trying to kill you or whatever, whatnot. And there are people, not so much us now because we have phones and we have you know, very well-established directional kind of you know, methods, but back in the day, the direction of the Qibla was one of them. People would be going through this whole kind of, you know, getting themselves into a little tizzy yani, over the direction again and again and again and again and again. And that's not something which is to be uh, uh, relied upon. All right, next page, Shaz. So um, when it comes to the intention, it is sufficient to specify the time of the prayer or that you are praying an obligatory prayer. Meaning that you don't even have to go into the full details. What this is referring to is that if you rock up, first of all, is the big, the big thing that a lot of people don't, you know, is a big surprise for them, is that there is no such thing as meye charakat, Faraz, partahu, blah, blah, bi'isi, imam kapiche, fla, 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 fla. All of that kind of, you know, the Bengali version, the Paki version, the Somali version, the Arabic. Every country and culture has their own spoken one that you're taught as a kid and you memorize and everyone says it, you know, that there was a... Yeah, whatever. So there is no formula. There is nothing. There is no formula. There is no nothing from the Sunnah. The Sunnah is just the intention of the heart. The intention of the heart. And that intention of the heart is what? It's a knowledge that you are about to do something and that's it. If a person turns up to the masjid at Maghrib time, it's because, surprise, surprise, he's come to pray in Maghrib. All right? I know that's a big shocker for people, but it genuinely is the only thing that you're doing there. Unless you're like Nina and you're here for the chocolate. Yeah? So, obviously, people have got some other issues. They need to make, Yani, a more specific, Yani, invested intention. But, um, and so now then, so now that we've understood that, there is no f- statement said. You just need to know that what you're here for, and that's it. Okay? Then let's take it a bit further. Um, at least you'll be knowing that I'm here to pray three rak'ah maghrib. That's probably what you're thinking. So we want to take it further and say, what about a person who forgot to mention three rak'ah? Or think of three rak'ah? Is it, or even the word maghrib? He just literally came to the masjid, just stood, and he just, you know, you know, he just prayed. 
So what this first point uh, helps us in is that it is sufficient just to specify the time of the prayer. That this is the evening time and I'm here to pray. Or this is the late afternoon, which is Asr, and I'm here to pray. Or this is the obligatory time, the, this is the obligatory prayer of this time period. Just so you're thinking, I mean, like the, the, the modern day example is you'd walk into the masjid or you'd get home and you'd think, right, I'm going to pray my fard prayer. And you know that you only thought that fard prayer that I'm going to pray, I'm praying it now because it's evening or because it's asr or whatever. Yani what I'm trying to indicate is that it's even easier to make the intention than you even, than, than you even thought before. Not only do you not need to say all of the details, but you don't need to articulate them in your mind and your heart, you know, going through all of the, you know, factors and the metrics. No, just the fact that you're here to pray the obligatory prayer of this time period is sufficient. It is not a condition, however, to intend to spe- it is not a condition to intend to specify that exact prayer or a prayer after its time or a supererogatory prayer or to repeat a prayer. You do not have to do that in a specific way. When it comes to the intention, you can't be mindless though. We can't go the other way and say, you know what, a person just can just rock up and just you know, go and that's it. You know, complete mindlessness. We said that the gravitas and the decorum of the prayer requires a person to come, steady, relax, yani show some importance for you know, where you are and, and pause and then Allahu Akbar. And that allows a person to think about what they're about to do. And the last moment that that yani, intention of the mind and heart can happen is at the opening takbir, Allahu Akbar. Okay? However, it can be done a long time before the act as long as nothing occurs to break the intention. So the idea is, is that it should be close to the opening takbir. But let's say a person, he is parking in the, you know, in the, I'll give you an example. You're trying to park your car, but the guy in front of you is taking a real long time. Okay? To, and you're stuck because you need to wait for him to get in. And so that's the first time in this entire journey of the last 20 minutes where you've thought to yourself, Bro, can you just hurry up? Yes, you don't say it, but you say to yourself, bro, can you hurry up? I need to pray Maghrib. Yeah? Now, you've said, I need to pray Maghrib. You've said it to yourself. You're irritated because Maghrib leaves quickly. Yeah? It's only got a short period of time. And he's now suddenly now got out of the way and you park. All right? And a minute and two minutes and three minutes. And now you come to the masjid, you walk in and whatever. Let's say five minutes have gone, which is a big <coughs> separation from the act itself. What the author is saying is that you do not need to renew the fact that you are praying Maghrib which you intended before because nothing happened in between. However, and that's where the blue statement says, as long as nothing occurs to break the intention. If your thought process is taken away to something else, and I don't know what that something else is, okay? But if it is, then you do need to renew that intention. The, the easy, I can't think of an example now, but I'm sure I must have done, done when we are doing the lesson. But the example that always comes to mind that we all know, what's the easy example of this? Very well-known example of the renewing of intention needed after a break. Huh? No, no, I'm not even restricting it to salah. That's a slightly big clue. No? The famous application of this rule. What's the most famous application in fiqh of the rule of the renewal of intention being needed if there's a break in the normality? Sorry? No? Go on. Which one? Yep, 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 yeah, then? No, 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 nearly bro, nearly, nearly. No, 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 the answer is fasting. And it's when a person makes the intention at the beginning, because it's, it's obligatory intention, you have to make the intention to fast before the beginning of the fast, which is dawn, okay? And 
and it's sufficient for you at the beginning of the month to say that you know I say meaning you know you're here you you know it's Ramadan you make that intention I'm gonna I'm gonna smash this year we're gonna do it and that's all you need to do now that's sufficient and that suffices all the way through the month you don't need to do anything say anything or repeat anything however it's from the Sunnah to be a bit more focused every night as well when you're at that dawn time that okay I'm eating. and and that is that is that is done by the fact that you're having a suhoor. When you're having a suhoor and you're getting yourself ready and you're rushing and you look at the time, that is enough to be establishing the intention again. So that's like a second re-whatever. But if you didn't, because we know that the fast is completely valid, if a person after Isha, he went to sleep and he woke up half an hour before sunrise, intentionally, he's knackered, got work the next day, I ain't got time to eat, I've got to wake up a fajr obviously, so he puts the alarm on half hour before sunrise. Yes? Wakes up, he's, he's not done suhoor, has he? And he's not induced that sense of panic, so that would help one's intention, has he? And he hasn't had, you know what I'm trying to say? That person has not in any way had an opportunity to renew his intention. Unless, of course, when he was getting sleep after Isha, he said, I'm fasting tomorrow, but as a result of the work, I can't wake up to do suhoor, whatever. So that would have been the job. But if he hadn't done that, is this person's valid fast valid? If he wakes up a half an hour before sunrise and missed suhoor and missed everything else, is that person's fast valid? Yes, because he made that general intention at the beginning of the month. Except when? Or travel or sickness, i.e. exactly what's being said here. As long as nothing occurs to break the intention. So the intention flows and it continues until you break it. So if you are a woman who has menses, it's been broken. You don't wake up after you're pure the next morning and just assume, because I'm pure, I'm back in the game. No, you've got to make the intention again that I'm now fasting Ramadan because you have broken the original intention at the beginning of the month. The same with a person who's sick. The same with a person who is uh, traveling. Because you traveled... Your status quo now is no longer the original intention. Your status quo actually is a traveler. And your status quo as a traveler is someone who does not fast. So if you were to wake up at 6.30 or half an hour before sunrise, you understand this point? If you were to wake up at half an hour before sunrise, next day, your fast would be invalid. Does that make sense? Yeah? You would have to do that, inter- that fast again. So this point is a well-known principle in fiqh. That's its most famous and obvious application. But here for salah... What's being said here is that if you make the intention before the takbiratul ihram and nothing breaks that intention, and I, like I said, I can't think of what would, but it's okay. It's not a problem. Um, if the intention is cut during the prayer, the prayer is invalidated, but intending to break the prayer does not invalidate the prayer unless that act is done. Meaning, uh, what's this point trying to say? You playing silly games in your mind that am I in the prayer, am I not? Am I in the prayer, am I not? You know, that doesn't break the prayer. Okay, If one doubts their intention, the prayer is to be restarted. It is permissible for one praying their obligatory prayer alone to convert it to a sunnah prayer if there is enough time remaining. However, converting an obligatory to another obligatory prayer leads to both becoming invalid. Okay, There's a lot of detail here. All right, You need to really go back to the uh, other uh, class. But it's obvious that, that you, when you try to say that my dhuhr now has become asr, that's not possible. But if you are at the beginning... Like, you know, for example, when you're praying behind a person, you come to the masjid and you're a traveler and the prayer person's praying asr. 
and you know that they're praying Asr and you know that you haven't prayed Dhuhr and you enter into that congregation with the intention that I am praying my Dhuhr behind this person's Asr, then that's something which is permissible. After you finish the prayer, then you'd stand up and then you'd create a new prayer for yourself and you'd pray Asr. You understand that, yeah? However, if you had forgotten as a traveler when you came in at Asr time and you joined this prayer praying Asr, then you remember it halfway through, sugar, I, you know, I haven't prayed my uh, Dhuhr. And uh, Khair is the 4-4 unit thing. Anyway, I've already prayed two, so I'm just converting this to Dhuhr. Then afterwards, when I finish, I'll pray Asr separately. This is not permissible. That's what it means. You can't convert an obligatory prayer to another obligatory prayer. It is neither obligatory for the, for the imam to intend to be an imam, nor does a, a, the follower need to be a follower, meaning everyone relax, everyone rock up and just join wherever you're joining. You're leading, you're not leading, just relax. It is valid for the one praying alone to decide to become a follower, just as it is valid for him to decide to lead an obligatory prayer. Meaning that if a person was a single person praying alone, and then someone came and stood beside them, then he can, and now he needs to become an imam because other person is pushing them to become an imam now all of a sudden. It's permissible for him to convert now from singular to becoming an imam for the two of them now because he's come or she's come and wanted that to happen. It's not valid for a follower to convert to praying alone without legal excuse. That means that if you're praying in a jama'ah and the congregation, you can't just say, you know, my guy, yeah, and he's praying too long. No, no. And, he's, and then separate yourself, okay, when the guy's only read Qulhullah Ahad, for example. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, but obviously, if my guy's smacking out Baqarah yani, uh, you know, in Fajr or in Maghrib time, and man's got things to do, then you, know, you, can, you can separate yourself. That's not a problem. That's a legal excuse. The prayer of the follower is not invalidated if the prayer of the Imam is invalidated. A very important position that we are differing with the Hanbali school because they believe that it is. Okay? So we believe no. The prayer of the follower is not invalidated if the prayer of the imam is invalidated, as there can be an appointment of a replacement imam. So what that's referring to that classic situation where you're all being led by an imam, and the imam suddenly realizes he doesn't have wudu. So then he goes to make wudu, and does that mean that and now him, his prayer is gone, cancelled, finished. When he comes back, he has to start again. He can't just jump, jump in at the front, he has to literally start again. And he will probably join that congregation. Or maybe if it takes a long time, then he can pray by himself. What do we do? We either carry on as, our, as ourselves, or we appoint a replacement imam. One of them should have the wherewithal to, to step forward, or we push someone guy forward. Or what the imam should do, responsible imam, is when he goes, he grabs a person, puts him to the front, everything carries on. Okay? And if the regular imam or someone of higher authority enters the prayer, which has already been started by his substitute imam, it is valid for the substitute imam to now become a follower. That's referring to the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. person actually comes back and the imam will take over. So that's a summary of the entire year. Okay? Obviously, it wasn't that, you know, you might think that was a bit light. Okay? How come Yani spent a whole year? But there was chocolate that had to be uh, uh, eaten. All right? And there was jokes that had to be made. There was people that had to be cussed. There was shazad that had to be praised because, you know, he's so insensitive. Yeah? And, uh, you know, his ego needs to be massaged. Do you want to put your picture up, uh, Shaz? You got about, I can give you five, ten seconds if you want to do it right now. You can use the other one without the Master Chef uh, thing. If you want. Do you want to send you a new one, Shaz? I've got a new one. Nice one. Right. <laughs> Come on, Shaz. I bring the notes up. Come on, hurry up. Unbelievable how slow you are today. Right. Sabab Sifat Salah. All right, let's start the notes for today. Um, so for those back here now who are having a heart attack for the last one hour. Sugar, one hour. 
Oh my God, one hour. And we, we, we start the lesson right now. Shut up like you remember anything about this last year. We, anything. <laughs> listen, right. We're on page 35 of Al Mumti'. Those who have got the Arabic texts here, yeah, we're right at the Thumma Yaqbid part. And uh, I'm going to read the entire part um, of the chapter that we're in. So we've now finished the conditions of the prayer. You can go back and revise that in detail. Alhamdulillah, all the transcribed notes. The transcribed notes are they all up. Yeah. So, subhanAllah, up until the very last lesson, every single letter and word that has been said in this entire six years is on the portal, which is unbelievable, by the way. MashaAllah, tabarakallah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. So, chapter, the description of the prayer. So, I'm going to read the Arabic a little bit, and then I will read the English translation. Yusannu al-qiyamu inda qad, the statement qad, min iqamatiha wa taswiyatu as-saf. Wa yaqulu Allahu akbar rafi'an yadayhi madmumati al-asabi' مَمْدُودَةً حَذْوَ مَنْ كِبَيْهِ كَالسِّجُودِ وَيُسْمِعُ الْإِمَامِ مَنْ خَلْفَهُ قَرَاءَتِهِ فِي أَوَّلَتَيْ غَيْرِ الظُّهْرَيْنِ وَغَيْرُهُ نَفْسَهُ ثُمَّ يَقْبِضُ أوكي ثُمَّ يَقْبِضُ كُوعَ يُسْرَاحُ تَحْتَ سُرَّتِهِ وَيَنْظُرُ مَسْجِدَهُ ثُمَّ يَقُولُ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ وَتَبَارَكَ اسْمُكَ وَتَعَالَى جَدُّكَ وَلَا إِلَهَا غَيْرُكَ ثُمَّ يَسْتَعِيذْ ثُمَّ يُبَسْمِلْ سِرًّا وَلَيْسَتْ مِنَ الْفَاتِحَةِ ثُمَّ يَقْرَأُ الْفَاتِحَةِ So I've translated it up to this. This is enough, Yani, that will keep us going, I think, for the next six months. Uh, or, 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 or maybe two, three days. Two, three lessons, that means. Bring it down, Laga. All right. So... When it comes to the description of the prayer, that's the chapter we're doing. It is a sunnah to stand when the word qad is said from the iqama. Okay? This is the humbly position as well, of course. We've already studied this. We, uh, actually, we did some of this last year, just so that you know. And we looked in detail. We know that that's not the sunnah. We don't believe that's from the sunnah. The sunnah is when? When the imam comes. When the imam comes, that's, that's when it's sunnah to stand up. It is a sunnah to stand when qad is said from the iqamah, and it is also sunnah to straighten the prayer line. Okay? He then says, Allahu Akbar. He, of course, referring to the person in question, male, female, whatever. This is how they pray. You say, Allahu Akbar, raising his hands to the height of his shoulders with his fingers together, but outstretched. So, not like this is together as well. If your fingers are like this, okay, and you do that, then it's not mamdudah. Okay, so it needs to be together. So it's not like that. You don't pray like that. You pray like that. And you don't pray like this. You pray with the hands open. Okay, so fingers together but outstretched. outstretched just like when in, pro- in prostration. So when you are prostrating on the floor, your fingers and the style that they take are the same as they take when they're here. So it's like you transplant them on the floor. They're like that. Not just in shape and form, but in position as well. So if you want to know where your hands should come, you know when you go in sajda, no one makes sajda on the floor like this. Or if you do, that's wrong. Okay? Right? You shouldn't be making sajda with your hands like this. Because some people do that. You know, they kind of curl themselves into a ball and they put their hands like this. In actual fact, your hands should come to this position here. It's quite a lot lower down. And it's the same position of when you're raising your hands, yani, as in, uh, when you're raising your hands to uh, make the, the original uh, takbir. How long for the other? One minute. One minute only. 
Kya baat hai? Okay. So just like when in prostration, the imam, and this is now, um, no, no, we've done this as well. The imam should make that audible to everyone behind him, just like he does with the recitation in the first two units of every prayer other than dhuhr and asr. So what's the asr referring to? Is the Allahu Akbar. The statement Allahu Akbar by the imam needs to be at a level of audibility. Is that a word? It's plainly not a word and I can't believe that no one corrected it. Okay? But it's whatever it is. So that everyone behind can hear and that's the same for the first two units the content of the first two units of every prayer other than Dhuhr and Asr. Because we know Dhuhr and Asr are the silent prayers. Fajr, Maghrib, Isha are loud. So Fatiha, Surah, everything in between. That needs to be of the same level as Allahu Akbar. Loud enough for the people behind to hear. Whereas anyone else, an individual, should recite to the level so that it is audible to him alone. Class position was? What a letdown, Zafar. Oh my days. Okay. We believe that there's no evidence yeah, to say that you have to make it so much that another person can hear or you person. But well, basically you need to be quiet as well. But you've got to recite it with your with mouth. Okay. We're going to just let the adhan for Isha go now. And then we'll continue afterwards.
وبارك على محمد وعلى ال انك حميد مجيد اللهم رب هذه الدعوه فهم والصلاه والسلام على محمد المصير والفضل والبعث المقام المحمود الذي وعدت انك Uh, so there's two things that I want to say. The first is that we are surrounded by so much food and you must yani, make sure that after Salah you hang around. Okay? Otherwise, it's just yani, going to go to waste. And the uncles are going to eat it for the next yani, six days and that's going to hurt me more than anything. Okay? The second thing is, is that uh, we have about 10 minutes. And in these 10 minutes, I want to do actually something very important with respect to the text. And I want to discuss this, this, this opening statement. ثُمَّ يَقْبِدُ قُوعَ Yusrahu. So he makes qabd, he makes qabd of his qur, of his yusrahu. So qabd is a word which is important to understand and differentiate from the concept of place. Qabd means to grasp, okay? So I want you to understand the concept of clasping or grasping, not just holding, okay? Holding is yani, supporting something and wada is placing. And this is very much not what the Hanbalis are talking about. They are talking about grasping. So that's the most important part, first. Second is the word kur. Now in the Arabic, he says, uh, Sheikh Uthameen says um, two things. He goes, first of all, let's just make a, 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 an important aspect of the sunnah. When, the, when you make that first takbir and you say, Allahu Akbar, what do people do? They allow their hands to go to the side and then they put it on there, wherever they're putting it. Okay? So they make irsal. Irsal, okay, is when you do not hold anything and you hang your arms. So they go, Allahu Akbar. You understand? Okay? And what Shaykh Uthameen says is that from the Sunnah, it's clear, and the humbly position is clear that you go into position. So you go from your takbir. Allahu Akbar straight into the hand position. Is that clear? So that's the first point of benefit that there is no evidence to le- let your hands go. Actually, there's no basis for letting the hands fall. Straight from there to there is where you go. The real thing we need to speak about is the qur. What is the word qur in, in, uh, in Arabic and in English? The Arabic Sheikh Uthameen says, It is the mafsil al-kaf min al-zira'a, wa yuqabilhu al-kursur, wa baynahuma al-rusugh. So we have three words that we need to identify. The qur, the kursur, and the rusugh. So bring up these pictures, Shazad uh, Salim. Bring up the Arabic one first. Okay? Sheikh Uthameen says, فَالْقُوعَ الْعَظْمُ الَّذِي يَلِيَ الْإِبْهَامِ he says that to understand from a knowledge point of view, the qur is the bone which is next to the thumb. Okay? So this is the left hand. We're holding the left hand. This is the thumb. So this is the qur. Here. That's the qur. Okay? This is the qur. It's the wrist. What we would call the wrist. The problem is in Arabic, they, they are much more specific. So when I'm holding this and I'm grasping, this bone, okay, I identify it because it's got my thumb next to it. This is the qur, as you can see in the, uh, the picture. Uh, you can see if you go to the left, yeah, no, 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 uh, that, 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 yeah, okay, yep. It says, it says qur right there. Just, just, just a little bit to it. You can see it says qursur and qur, yeah, that's it. So that's the qur, you can see that it's pointing to the bone there, and the qursur 
is pointing onto the other side. Now come on doctors, tell me now what's going on. What are these called? You see the qursua, that's the end of the ulna meeting the carpal hand, carpal bones. So what's that bone called? What is the bone of the qursua called on the ulna side? Because the qur, which is here, this is the radius, or the radial bone. Radial bone or radius? Radius. Yeah. So this is the radius. So where the radius, you know, you've got, in your forearm, you've got two bones. You've got your radius and you've got your ulna. Yeah, you're like the two main ones. Yep. Yeah? So your ulna goes up here and your radius goes up here. Yeah. And as soon as the radius hits these carpal bones, the, bo- the bones in your hand, that is your, kur- this is your kur. And this is your kursur. So the qur is the, what you are uh, meant to hold. And a rusuk is what's in between, the joint in between. This is the rusuk. Now, what does that mean in English? I don't know. What are we holding on to? Uh, uh, show us the English one. You see, this has gone next level. So, yeah, and he, it seems that the trapezium, right, is what you're holding on to. Because it's at the end of the radius. You can see that it says the radius there. So that's what you're holding on to, the trapezium. That's a sunnah. That's, the sunnah is not the core itself has been mentioned by companions, not the Prophet ﷺ, but the idea of grasping is understood that when you grasp, you're holding on to it. Like for example, it's not the kursur, because if it was a kursur, then you could just put it like that. You could be holding it from this level. But because it's the core, that's why you have a grasp. That's why in the Hanafi school, Everyone, when they were young, they were taught, you know, that you get your fingers and you go around it like that, and you put your three fingers across it like that. And there's no evidence, nothing from the sunnah about three fingers and this and that. So why did that come? Where did Abu Hanifa come with that? Because when you do do that, the one thing that you end up doing is definitely grasping your qur. You get what I'm saying? Whatever you do, you're going to have grasped it. So that's why it's okay to do that, or to do that, or to have it, yani, but it's got to be a grasp, not a place, not a placing on. Okay? And um, there's an Arabic, وَأَنْشَدُوا عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ So we have three phrases, the qur, we have the qursur, which is the little finger, yani the bone which is in line with the little finger, which is not yani to be held, not to be grasped, it can be held underneath, fine, but the focus is on the top part, okay, that's what needs to be grasped, and the rusuk, which is the middle part, and you're holding on to all of that. And when you hold on to it, okay, wherever you put it on your chest or below your navel or wherever it is, this is not left to die like this. It's not hanging. Okay, it stays against your body and you're holding on to it. Okay, and the, in Arabic, they always they, they compare the qur with the bur. Where's the bur? Anyone know what the bur is? I don't know what it's called in English. The bur is this. What's the, what's the bone that sticks out from your big toe on the side? The what? Halux. Spell it. H A L L U X. So that's. There. But what is it before it deforms? No, there's so many metatarsals, Yara. The end of the first metatarsal. But it's still prominent. Yes. So that prominent bone's got to have a name. It's the balls of your 
the head of the metatarsal. Yeah. So that's called al 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 When they study fiqh when you're young in an Arab land in Islamic school, mm-hmm. that this poem basically says that the bone which is in line with the thumb is called the qur and that which is in line with the small finger is called the qursur and the rusuk is that which is in the middle and the bone which follows the big toe is known as the bur so know this with knowledge and be careful of making a mistake so these are three phrases this is it's said in obviously better in arabic but it's said yani yeah, to, to to understand these three different uh, these these different things the bur itself will come much later in um, uh, in uh, in the in the class so are there any questions about that because that's literally all we have time to cover from the actual holding okay because maghrib uh, isha is uh, going to start imminently any questions so far with respect to the previous no, no, and that's important, okay? You know, uh, do you have to physically, like, you know, identify, uh, you know, that's the bone, I've got to have some kind of contact? No, because the hadith do not actually state that that is the most important thing. It's the hand. But the hand is supported in its primary way, in its entirety, I mean, via the wrist. And so what part of the wrist is that which is held? It is this top part because otherwise you're just holding the kursur, you're just lifting it up. But to grasp onto it, as you're going to learn next week, you'll see that there are two ways of holding your hands in prayer and then a number of different positions on the body. So there's a way to hold and there's where that goes. So the first is grasping and the second is placing. So you either grasp and when you grasp, the only hadith that we have for grasping is the wrist and hand. So this is the position of, of grasping. Then you put it underneath your belly button. But if you are not grasping, then the position of the sunnah is al-wada, which means to place. So this is the other thing which is narrated in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ, and it said that I saw the Prophet ﷺ place, place, wada. He placed his right arm, on his right hand on his left arm. So a person shouldn't ever... There's, there's no... You know, you see some people that they grasp their elbow when they're praying. They gra- that's, that's, that's not possible. That's, that's not possible. Not allowed to grasp the elbow. It's not even allowed to grasp the arm. It's a, you either put your arm on your arm or you grasp your wrist. Is that clear, everybody? So we break for salah now. We're going to broadcast the salah as well for those who are watching. But you can leave if you want. Next week, inshallah, keep an eye on the portal for what time. It has a countdown, so come to it earlier in the day. Same, same time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the, you know we have a page called schedule, so 8.20 p.m. is the time. Where's all the announcements? QP on Tuesday, don't forget that. What's the all announcements? Where's your announcements list, your Paggy? Oh my God. With that, what's the announcements? Useless Paggy. At the right beginning, I come to. We have the deferral exam. Those who didn't do the exam on the first day, we have that today. Line up for Salah, everybody. Those who did not take the exam this week, try and take it this uh, this weekend. That's the deferral. Those in Birmingham, 7.30, uh, Birmingham viewers, Hikmah Masjid, Hikmah Center, Wisdom Cultural Center. That's where it's going to be for next Tuesday at 7.30. Okay, I think that's it done. Zakmullah khair. Guys, make sure you gather around afterwards. Okay, we're going to have a chat. We have lots to eat. Or Nina's going to have a lot to eat. And uh, that will do. All right, Zakmullah khair. Put it onto the Sheikh so we can uh, do Salatul Isha.
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله 